The Morning Struggle podcast is brought to you by Blue Clover Therapy, a mental health counseling practice in Salt Lake City, Utah. Visit www.bluecloverTherapy.com for more information. Blue Clover Therapy, because your mental health deserves a specialist. Welcome to the Morning Struggle Podcast, where we take habits of successful people and break them down one at a time into history, science, and action plan so you can implement them into your life and build a better you. Stay tuned. Okay, so the other day, you and I and the the fam, the littles, went to a firefighter Went to a firefighter gathering. What what do you call those? Yeah, it's a Christmas party for the kids at Boondocks, which is like a family fun center. Yeah, there's bowling and arcade games and go-karts and stuff. And um, yeah, it was kind of funny. So our sweet little gentleman really wanted this octopus. Well, the girls both won giant like bouncy balls in like a big claw machine. Yeah, which was pretty cool. Right. But then we were out of tickets and money. So we're like, oh, well, we got like 100 tickets for Will. Let's go get him something from the prize counter. Right. And he wanted this little octopus. Which was 225 tickets. Which is ridiculous. It doesn't And how many tickets much. do we have? We had 100 or We had 100 tickets. 100 we tickets. need 125 more tickets. Yeah. So I asked the lady if I could just buy the tickets. Apparently, you can't do that. Can't just buy tickets. I would pay like, I would pay $10 a ticket <laughs> at that point. I really would Just would've. to get it over with? Just to get it over yeah. with. Yeah. But yeah, so we had to put more money or get more tokens. Mm-hmm. And we asked her which one was the most... The dynamite one. ...ticketest game. Right. She said the piano game. Mm-hmm. So dad was going to go win Will 125 tickets on this piano game. Right. And how many tickets did I win? Seven. Seven tickets. Seven big old tickets. Seven tickets. Which would have taken us like $50 <laughs> to get... It would have been so much money to get a squishy octopus. Mm-hmm. So then Will, we walk over to the Scooby-Doo little slot machine... Yeah. And Will starts pulling the slot machine. Mm-hmm. And what does Will get? He <laughs> lands on the thousand thousand tickets. tickets. Like yeah. the big, like it's it's literally razor thin. Razor thin. Mm-hmm. He lands on the thousand tickets. Right. And we have so many. Like you have no idea. <laughs> Random little toys. A thousand divided by, you know, the five ticket little frogs. We, we probably have hundreds of toys. We yeah. didn't get that many, but still. Still. It, it was, was just ridiculous. hilarious because you had just gone. You're like, I got to get, we got to just get these tickets so we can have this be over. I know. We've been talking about getting less stuff. And then we won the raffle twice. I know. So the kids got more toys. We walked out of there with a grundle of stuff. I felt just <laughs> terrible. You know, when people like walk through um, like reins of money, like, Dollar bills, y'all. Yeah, the that's kids pretty felt much like what that. happened. Yeah, yeah they know. they walked through the doors. It was like dollar dollar bills, y'all. They was... pro- those toys will be gone by tomorrow. They'll be disinterested. What are we talking about? They they seem to be pretty into it. I guess that's true. It was fun. We had a it, good time. Yeah. And what did we not do while we were there? Check our oh emails. We didn't check our emails or one time. Or social media. Or social media. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that today. Okay. And and why it's so stinking important that we don't spend all of our life on our phones okay all right so should we get into the history of email let's do it this day in history okay the history of email so a little information before we go Mm -hmm. there are over 2.6 billion active users with email and over 4.6 billion email accounts oh my gosh this is from 2016 so it's probably more than that now yeah that is a ton 
That's of a people. lot of email it's accounts. It's a lot of communication. But uh, email can be dated back to 1965 at MIT. Which I think is crazy. Yeah, 65. You know the World Wide Web was developed in 1991 or made public in 1991. Oh my gosh, MIT folks. Yeah, so the 1965 MIT had a program called Mailbox. And what it did was like a, a note you leave on your fridge mm-hmm. for your for your significant other or your kids. Sticky note. Yeah, you put a it's a program. You put in an information like a like a note to somebody. Mm-hmm. Then when someone else logged onto that computer, they saw your note. Nice. But it did hinge on um, using the same computer, so Which really wasn't super time. effective, you know, to communicate person to person. So then in 1969, the U.S. Department of Defense implemented a program called ARPANET, which is Advanced Research Projects Agency Network. Oh, that's a mouthful. So back in the day, before the the web or the World Wide Web, computers would be networked. They'd be hardwired to each other right. with cables okay. in a closed system. Mm-hmm. So the U.S. Department of Defense had this system of closed communication. And then in 1969, on October 29th, the first electronic message was sent. Hmm. And then a what gentleman. What did it say? Does it, do you know what yeah, it said? It was like a piece of paper, like with a bunch of information written on it. Oh, so, I wanted to have something like hoorah or something on there, but yeah, I don't know. But not so interesting. Much. Oh, but it was 1971. Ray Tomlinson invented and developed electronic mail. Oh, and he in- invented it in this this ARPANET closed network system. Okay. So he developed it for that, and then one issue they were having was. How do you know where this goes? How do you know where this message goes? Mm-hmm. So he invented something in every email that is synonymous with email, which is the... I have no idea. Password? The password. No. No. The <laughs> at symbol. Wrong. Oh, Yeah. So okay. like, if, if that, that's your, your address. So it used to be like your username. And right. then the at symbol was your computer name. Oh. So it was, it was like, it'd be like Jesse at Jesse's MacBook. Oh, I see. So that's how they knew where these messages would get sent. So by 1976, they said 75% of all ARPANET's traffic was electronic. Oh, very cool. So they, they were the, like the pioneers in this little industry. Then in like the 1980s, mm-hmm. um, ISPs started coming up. Those are internet service providers. Oh, okay. So okay. like the AOLs and things like that, mm. you know, the old dial-up stuff. They usually use like a telephone system because yeah. it was already, the infrastructure was already there. Right. But but they started, you know, um, implementing more, more email. Mm. But it wasn't until 1991 that the World Wide Web came about. Mm. So actually this was developed in CERN near Geneva, Switzerland, where the Large Hadron Collider is. And oh, they do I all see. the science yeah. experiments, okay. right? Yeah. So um, Tim Berners-Lee invented the web. It was just this program where he invented browsers and then a way to oh. interconnect, you know, all these computers. Um, and then he developed that in like 1989, 1991. It went public. And from there on out, we had internet service providers providing these, these um, the chain for this World Wide Web, and hmm. then people would can put stuff on their servers, and hence, you know, AOL, Hotmail, all that stuff came about, and you could essentially email someone mm-hmm. at their at sign. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. So that is the history of email. So what you're saying is he was a, a time traveler. They were probably time travelers. Mm-hmm. Like this, this pretty pretty crazy stuff to invent email before the internet. Yeah, is insane. And also to think 1991 is when the internet came about. It's so ingrained in our day-to-day life. Oh, I know. To think that there was a time we didn't have internet. 
Well, it's funny because like the internet goes down and everybody's like, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. It's it's been what, like 17 or 27 years? Mm -hmm. That's nothing. Yep. Soon we'll just have it hardwired into our brain. I know. No kidding. So anyway, that's pretty much it for the history of email. That's wild. All right. Should we go on to the science? Let's do it. Okay. Okay, so the science of checking your email and social media, all of these things that we're directly uh, connected with, is a little depressing. So just take a seat and we'll, and I'll tell you what's going on. So um, the thing with our society now is we really think that we can multitask. And we cannot. Only 2.7% of the population can actually multitask. But everybody's to the part of that 2.7, right? Right. Everybody's a part Everybody of that. Everybody thinks they can do it? Right. And so this psychologist, David Meyer, um, did these has done multiple studies. But this particular study was really neat where um, that the shifting between tasks can reduce your brain capacity up to 40%. That's a lot of brain capacity. Yeah, and and when you switch a task, even in like normal day-to-day being, um, so you get a, a dose of a stress hormone called cortisol. Yep. And what cortisol does is essentially just makes your brain swell and it turns off your frontal lobe. Okay. Because your frontal lobe is like your, your rational, thoughtful you know, impulse control type things. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're running from a bear, you don't need that. And our our anatomy is based on us surviving bears. Right. In a very short period of time in human existence, we went from, you know, in, in the, you know, the large scale of humanity, mm-hmm. of history of, you know, humans. We went from, you know, hunting, gathering, even like farming, getting away from disease and, and predators to essentially not having any stress that's you know true environmental life-threatening stress in our life right and so um all all task switches get a little bit of cortisol but if they're more predicted or thought out or planned you get less cortisol okay so we really should be planning our days out better just as a, a general piece to reduce our cortisol levels um but on average, a person is interrupted by email alerts, checking their emails or like social media alerts every five minutes. That That's a lot of time. Yeah, every five minutes. And what I mean, if you're that's a, a task squ- switch. Sorry, that came off weird. Task switch. So if every five minutes you're getting a little burst of cortisol, even if it's quite small, then I mean, you're just living in this cortisol soup. So your brain is just constantly swollen, right? Um, and then, uh, let's see. Oh, so there's out of the APA in 2017 did this really kind of sad, sad study where 86% of the population is checking their phones, email, or social media constantly. Okay. And constantly is in the context of less than seven minutes between checking, interacting, and engaging. That's crazy. And, and I know I am not good at this either. I check my email all the dang time, even when there's no alerts. Right. Well, and, and and I still have my alerts on the social media thing, and I don't exactly know how to turn it off, but I need to do that. Yeah. Because it's not important for me to, to have that. But 80, 86% of the population. So when, when, so when you're focused on a task and you're interrupted from that task, you reduce your brain capacity by 40%? Right. 
and then how it takes a long time to get back in that mode, right? Yeah, and everybody varies a little bit differently. I the studies I found were not conclusive like they couldn't come up with a consistent number like a, like a time for like 15 minutes to get back into it but. right and i and i think it kind of depends on what the interruption is so if you have a an email alert let's say and you look at your phone and then you set it back down that's a little different than like i'm all of a sudden now i need to go into a meeting okay that i was unexpected or i'm leaving a meeting and now i have to put out another fire or something but regardless something you could have gotten done in 10 minutes of focus if that's broken up a couple of times because the emails might take 20 or 30 minutes instead. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you hear about folks who have meetings all day long and don't get anything done. It's kind of that idea where everything is drawn out and people aren't sitting down and doing that single task. And so it takes like six times longer than it needs to. Okay. Crazy. Right. And the, the University of Waterloo, which I would... Love to say it. Yeah, I went to the University of Waterloo. Are you kidding me? That's amazing. In 2015, they found that um, analytical and arguably higher IQ people, and that, that's a big people argue about that section, um, people are uh, on their phones less and they use search engines less for day-to-day thoughts and questions. Okay. So a lot of people are sitting there opening up their email, looking at their email, and then searching Google for... Why flamingos are pink. And how hot the sun is. Right. Okay. Got right. it. So we got to stop doing that because they think more about it and go like, well, they eat, you know, shrimp and shrimp have a pink hue to them. So I wonder if it filters throughout the feathers. And then it's more of a confirming their so we've question. Essentially, we've lost our ability to contemplate. Yeah. The critical thinking skills, not, it's slowly depleting. Okay. So that's, see, that's what I mean by it's a little depressing. Okay. All right, that's fair enough. Um, okay, we got anything else on the science then? Of I think that, email? that is it. Okay, should we review our coffee real quick? Yeah, let's review our coffee. Okay. I drank pots and pots and pots and pots of strong black coffee Trying to keep my sleepy soul awake But the sleepiness still comes along And when it does, it's fast and strong I end up with a bad case of the shakes All right, so what are we drinking this morning? This is the, I want to say Kona Wide Awake And I I don't know the brand name necessarily, you would know But you know the logo But I know the logo because it's this little crab with two guys (laughs) Yeah, it's the Wide Awake Coffee I you know, the little, the packaging is so important to me. Brilliant on mm-hmm. the packaging for these guys because mm-hmm. they're getting the you population. The me population. The one that's sitting at the grocery store because this is a grocery store coffee. Right. And is in the aisle and going, oh my gosh, there's about a million different ways that we could go about this coffee situation. Right. And then I see these cute little eyes looking at me and I'm yeah. like, absolutely, sign me up. So it's a Kona blend. Mm-hmm. It's not very Kona-ish. Um, a lot of these all these Kona blends now, I don't know if the beans in Hawaii are harder to get, but a lot of them are only like 10% Kona blend. And Kona, yeah. so Kona is for, is coffee beans from Hawaii. Oh, okay. So this is just kind of a light roast, it feels like, which is not it bad. Feel, no, it's not a bad, but it's definitely not like, I'm, I'm assuming that at some point our coffee is going to completely deplete. And yeah. we're going to have to come up with a coffee substitute. Some corn-based coffee substitute. Yeah. I, I can see that happening too. Um, and what else did we start doing with our coffee? So we had a situation where we had the, is it called a mocha pot? 
The mocha pot. The mocha pot. So we had bought a mocha pot, and you being kind of a cheapskate, you got the $15 um, mocha pot. I said the name brand yeah. for $20. Right. And then it that didn't work. Because I think it was the metal was like seeping or something. I don't yeah, know what was happening there. Leaching the aluminum. Yeah. Oh, was aluminum? We well, can't they're be all they're all aluminum. It's oh, fine. are they? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I'm like, oh, we're taking a bunch of chemicals in. Um. So now we we had to go get the real one. Yeah. And then we had a situation with we were using tap water. Tap water. And apparently that's a big no no. It's like a big no no. We didn't realize it was a big no no. No, I mean you would assume that. But it's a lot less bitter. Yeah. When this, you use the filter. Right. So so we've kind of made some modifications to our home coffee situation, and it's been pretty good. So review of the coffee. Yeah. It, it's okay. It's a little bit bitter. It's not, not a great coffee, but it'll do in a pinch, and it was very, fairly cheap. Yeah, it was fairly cheap, and I like the packaging a lot. Right. We still haven't come up with our scale. So I give this one... Well, it's out of five, and I have a graphic. I give this one and a, one thumb up out of five stars. That's that's where our coffee is, but the filtered water, mm-hmm. a ten. Yeah, you the filtered water was a good. Got to use the filtered water idea, and you got to grind your own coffee beans because mm-hmm. they oxidize as they are ground. So oh. if it's packaged, they just start to degrade. And it's just like anything else, like a block of ice. Right. If a big block of ice doesn't melt very very fast, because only the surface of that ice. Um, it's exposed to the elements and melts. Right. Same thing as like a coffee bean. If it's already ground, all those fine particulates are exposed to the air. Okay. And they can start to degrade and oxidize. Where if the whole coffee bean, only that exterior shell mm. is exposed. So I that's why you that. grind your own coffee beans. So I like that. I think that's an interesting... Do you like our coffee grinder? You think yeah, that's a good okay. option? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's like two thumbs up out of five stars for me. Okay. Because of the packaging. Oh, the packaging's big. I love the packaging. Well, should we talk about talk about the action plan then? Let's talk about How the action plan. How to make this plan. thing happen. Let's hope you make the most of it, my boy. So we, we essentially, we our goal of this habit is to stop looking at our emails as much or to mm-hmm. be not stop being distracted by our emails as much so we can be more productive. Right. Because if we're, if we're losing 40% of our brain power every time that we, our brain capacity, every time we switch tasks, we should probably switch tasks less. Okay. So okay. we want to, we want an email to be more as a, like a chore. Right. Like I'm going to go clean, vacuum my floor. You don't want to vacuum your floor in little one foot by one foot patches. Mm-hmm. You want to just get it all done as infrequently as possible. Right. Okay. But the problem with email is that everybody's always sending them to you. So our first rule is going to be schedule email times. And during those email times, that is your only focus. Okay. So you sit down You and how many times a day are we talking? We're doing three. We're doing three. Yeah. So early morning, midday, and then evening. Okay. So you sit down during those times and you just crank out your emails as if you were doing a task or a chore or something along those lines. Right. And the, and surprisingly, emails are a big conflicting thing with various CEOs, high power people. Some people don't do emails at all in the morning. Others do it in this three-part pattern. The AOL CEO, Tim Armstrong, does it in this form. And it's worked really well for us right. in the past, even though we've fallen off the wagon a couple of different times. But there's there's some people who check it all the time and respond immediately because they want to get it done. There's some people like the CEO of Tommy John, that underwear company. Mm -hmm. During the day, he shuts it off and he has an autoresponder that says, out of the office, I'll respond later. If you need to get a hold of me for an emergency, call or text. Right. So. 
Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of interesting that way how how I thought I was surprised at how different everybody takes it. But it feels like if you, you can create like an hour slot during each part of the like three times a day. So unless unless your email is used for work communication, because that would be a hard one if, if yeah. your boss or your employees use email as instant communication. That's, right. that's what email is, you know. And so if you're if you're just looking at emails all the time mm-hmm. and not responding immediately, you're just essentially listening to other people talk. Right. So you can probably whittle that down in just a few times a day and gather all that information fast. Right. And then and eliminate the information you don't need. Eliminate the information you don't need. Okay, so yeah. three times a day, morning, midday, and evening. Right. Unless you need to respond immediately because you're of a work issue. Yeah, if you're actively at work. I think that's a big piece of that. Okay. And then the next thing is scheduling no email times. So not at nighttime. And that should be a thing for sleep and like right. your self-care. And so I strongly stand behind that during family times and events. Um, if it's something where you're going to be like on vacation or something, you should have an altern alternative way for them to get a hold of you in case of an emergency. Right. So do the autoresponder. Say, yeah. Out of the office. I'll be back on this date in case of an emergency, and give them a way to get get a hold of you. Yeah. Here's my text me. Um, that kind of a thing. Um. So, but we want to eliminate that where you're not on your phone during family events. Right. You know, because that's just rude. But also, it's not good for your self-care. And then you should not um, do emails during emotional times or in emotional situations. Okay. So that was one of the big things uh, Virginia Tech had talked about where email is wonderful. And it's good for black and white situations. But as far as anything emotional or social, it's really hard to pick up on social cues. Okay. Which makes sense, of course. That's why we have emojis is to try to put... Those social cues into a most like caveman version. Um, but you shouldn't like if, if an employee is really upset, you shouldn't reply back in that way. You should have a meeting with a witness. Yeah. You know, face to face is is a big uh, uh, is a, is a be- much better way to communicate. Mm-hmm. And a lot of successful people like face to face communication for anything that's important. Yeah. Yeah, and it's developing new goals if they also have emotional context, that kind of thing. But if if you're running through objectives, like you've already come up with a goal and you're like, I did this list, check, and I let you know, that's a different story. So does this also apply to social media or just email? So th- this is these two rules. Yes, so this should apply to social media as well because what happens is we get addicted and entrenched in our social media. So social media is kind of essentially big emails. Mm-hmm. So while an email is maybe communication between two people, mm-hmm. a social media would be like yelling your information to the world and then gathering information from the world. It's the same kind right. of kind of uh, process, but just instead of individualized, it's group oriented. Right. Okay. Well, and social media is, is an uh, interesting animal because the more that we are on social media, the more depressed we are. Yeah. I've I read that stuff. And it's, and it's a clear scale. Like it's, it, there's, uh, correlation. We can't we can't say causation because are you depressed so you're on more social media or you on so more social media creates depression. But there's a correlation between absolutely the two. big correlation. So specifically, like with social media, you can use this exact same pieces and understand why you're using social media. So is it for marketing? Is it for business? Is it to spread awareness of something? Is it just to share your family photos? And then make sure that your all of those things align with what your behaviors are. Okay. Sound good? Sounds good. Um, put on do not disturb on your emails and social media alerts, which I need to do. Um, I don't know how to do that, but I will f- 
look at a YouTube video about how to do that. Um, because what happens if we're not interrupted every five minutes by our alerts, it increases our productivity, our focus, and our brain capacity. Yeah. So we directly combat that by not being interrupted random times throughout the day. Okay. Sound good? Sounds good. And then the last pieces of this is we need to use other ways of communicating. And, and we talked about that with emotional times, but with other things, it creates... So Virginia Tech is really good with um, their communication research. And there's really interesting things where they were having folks who were in bunches of cubicles and they would put them all into one room with like a family table. So everybody had to sit next to each other, no matter what the, you know, level, if they were a manager or if they were, you know, the boss of, of some kind or a supervisor, that kind of thing. They, everybody had to sit together. And what they found is that it increases understanding within the communication that is being had. It breaks down social obstacles because like if you have to walk into your boss's you know, office every single time you have a question, it's a right. little rough that way. Right. And then it increases general productivity because people know what they're doing. Okay. Like the, the, everybody's more focused because if, if you and I are working on a project and you're right across from me, I can be like, hey, when you get a second, I need to ask you a question. That's done in like a five second time and then I continue on my project and then I get it done quickly. Right. So. And and like you, you said, it says here, the, the nonverbal cues. Mm-hmm. I mean, what they said, what's the 70%. 70% of Se- our communication is nonverbal. Right. And that's eliminated if you have written correspondence, whether that be electronic or regular, which means you're only communicating 30% of your intent. Right. So, which is fine if you're talking business and you have black and white goals that are very clear. Right. But if you don't, if there's any kind of social implication to your yeah. to your verbiage, you're you're going to lose some some yeah, information in translation. Yep. Yeah. So basically, what it comes down to is you need to schedule times specifically for email. Put it in your schedule. Put it in your calendar. Whatever it is, three times a day: early morning, midday, evening. Schedule no email times. Uh, that includes the nighttime, family time, and emotional situations. You need to put do not disturb on your alerts for pretty much anything on your phone, whatever that is. And then lastly, you need to use other ways to communicate. So yes, the sticky note on the fridge is a good way because there's usually interaction after that. And that is it. But that is the goal. That's what we're trying to achieve over this next bit. All right. So go out there. Stop looking at your email so much. Stop it. And uh, build a better you. We'll see ya. We'll see you later.